G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Uh, always great to welcome back to 2020 for an update on the week's political agenda ahead. Martin Isles, back with us. Hello, Martin. Welcome back to 2020. G'day, Neil. Good to be back again. Uh, Martin, let's start with something that obviously is in the news and happens uh, fairly frequently. The news poll, one of the most reliable, although <laughs> uh, the current, uh, you know, the per- perceptions of news poll and all sorts of other polls is not terribly high because of the election uh, issues just recently. But, hey, there is a new news poll out. Coalition's lead over Labor has slipped, but the Prime Minister has extended his lead over the opposition leader. What are your thoughts on, you know, here's another news poll? Look, uh, as you say, Neil, um, a lot of people feel um, like news polls might not be as reliable as they once were. I don't think there needs to be too much concern in that department at the moment. I think it's probably back to business as usual in which news polls are regarded as usually being roughly right. Uh, bearing in mind that the change in two-party preferred has gone from 53-47 in favour of the coalition, with the poll taken straight after the election, uh, showing a strong lead by the coalition, which was reflected in the election results. It's only changed to 51-49, which is uh, two points and looks different on paper, but it's within the poll's margin of error. Uh, and so it's probably a small change in reality, um, not much. However, I'm interested to see it because I've been saying to politicians, I've been saying to various people over the last couple of months uh, since uh, the Prime Minister and the Coalition won the election, I've been saying it. I'm just sitting thinking, I've been saying, where's the vision? Um, I'm not seeing any vision coming out of this government. There's not a big plan. There's not a... There's, there's no blue skies. It, it, just, it just seems to be, uh, you know, they're announcing a fight with Get Up and having a big stoush with them and, you know, getting very pol- political, which people hate. Um, they don't like it when politic- politicians fight politicians, political types fight political types. Um, and there was the tax cut things, which was good. I, I'm just wondering whether that big, bold Scott Morrison of the election campaign, who was exciting and who was always on the camera and who looked like a good bloke, seemed to have everything in hand, He's evaporated a bit. I know he needed a break, uh, and that's fair enough. Uh, but I'm hoping some vision comes online because uh, I think then people will feel like there's leadership in the House again and maybe they'll get back the points they won because he showed leadership in the election campaign. Well, interesting as you reflect on that, Martin, because it's interesting that during the election campaign and there was criticism of the fact that the government didn't carry a big visionary uh, position into the election because the things that were being presented by uh, the Labor Party is such incredible overreach uh, on this sort of socialist agenda that that seemed to dominate the headlines. And so the government falls across the line, uh, winning the uh, election in some level of miracle, but without actually articulating a big vision for the future. So uh, I guess what you're saying is where's the vision it needs to be formed even now? What do you, uh, is that what you're saying? Look, I think so. I don't think we, should, we can make the mistake of thinking, well, people don't want vision. I think what, what happened was that Scott Morrison ran a presidential campaign and people really liked him. Um, and he was fresh and 
came across really well, and so they, they were drawn to him. But then also Labor lost the campaign because uh, so many of their policies were just on the nose. We know that the religious community um, rejected uh, their positions on religious freedoms. We know that uh, many rejected their position on uh, on the tax cuts, on franking credits and all these other economic policies, uh, and the Dani in North Queensland. Uh, so there's a lot of rejection going on uh, and embracing a promising and larger-than-life new leader. And uh, I, just, I just think maybe they should follow through on that. Where's their vision around religious freedom and freedoms more generally? Where's their vision around economic development? Uh, I'd like to see some of it. Um, that's my, my, my free advice if the, if, the, if the coalition is interested in listening, but that seems to me to be part of the issue. Okay. Uh, no doubt there is a lot of talk going on within the Australian Christian lobby, and uh, I'm sure that there are some listening who are underestimating the significance and the size of the Australian Christian lobby. You've had a series of state conferences around the nation, and your latest one was in Queensland this past weekend. Uh, give us a little insight into how that conference went, because these are the sorts of issues that you're talking about, uh, what's happening in government from a Christian perspective, uh, what sort of things uh, went on at the ACL Queensland conference on the weekend? Look, it was a really great weekend. Uh, I was uh, there on Saturday for the main conference. We had a fundraising dinner before that for donors, but at the main conference, which was called Not Ashamed, uh, based on that verse in Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation. Uh, and at that conference, we had political speakers, we had theological speakers, and we had ACL speakers. And the whole idea uh, really was to rally Christians to be unashamed of their faith, unashamed of truth, unashamed of what they believe, and to give them opportunities and excitement around being lights in a darkening world and a changing society and why Jesus would have us to do that. And uh, it went extremely well. I mean, we sold out our original venue. We doubled the size. We sold out again. Um, and uh, there was, yeah, look, there was probably over 500 people uh, who were there at that, uh, that event. And we had Greg Sheridan from the Australian newspaper spoke. Uh, we had Trevor Watts, uh, an MP, uh, who spoke. Um, we had a theologian uh, who spoke, uh, and then there was myself, Wendy Francis, Elizabeth Taylor from ACL. Also speaking, also Bindi Cole, the lady who sued Andrew Bolt uh, and uh, later went on to become a Christian and, and repented of that and reconciled with Andrew and has an amazing story uh, of her uh, not just Christian conversion but also political conversion. Uh, and she talks about identity politics and victimhood and says she was trapped in that cycle until she realised she was no victim, but she was responsible, uh, and uh, that's what uh, Christ demanded of her, uh, repentance and all the rest of it, and, uh, and, and, and her amazing story of conversion. And so to have a testimony there to tell people, be not ashamed, you know, <laughs> because, uh, because you know, when you speak the truth and declare the truth, there's people out there uh, who will see and who will, uh, who will be changed. Um, and we always have a testimony element at these conferences as well. So really, really good, uh, really worth going to. I see huge opportunity for that to grow once again next year, uh, and it will be on uh, in less than a year probably. We usually make it a bit less, so around the earlier part of next year we'll have Not Ashamed Brisbane. Uh, but also Not Ashamed Sydney is the next one, October 19th in Sydney, and we're about to boost, uh, about to kick off the marketing for that. Okay, October 19th, and for those who are in New South Wales 
or those who are listening in Sydney uh, look forward to an ACL State Conference uh, for New South Wales. Uh, talking New South Wales, let's get a little bit of uh, insight here, Martin, because uh, the Australian Christian Lobby, you actually commissioned a Galaxy poll uh, with regard to uh, the New South Wales Parliament and found, finding that they have been completely out of touch with people when it comes to this issue of abortion. Uh, give us some little insights into, uh, into your polling here. Well, this has been interesting. The Daily Telegraph is reporting on this today. We got the results in uh, yesterday. We did the poll, put it in the field on Saturday. Uh, and the poll asked questions of New South Wales voters uh, about, uh, about their attitudes to abortion. And uh, the headline result is that one third of coalition voters said that they would have voted differently had they known that this abortion bill was on the horizon. Uh, 84% of them said that they were opposed to sex-selective abortions, uh, which has been an issue in the media lately, and Gladys Berejiklian getting a bit wobbly on that one. Uh, but uh, um, most of the remainder were people who didn't know, so there wasn't that many you know, in favour. Uh, also, more than half of voters in New South Wales are opposed to late-term abortion, so in the third trimester. But only um, something like 15% actually think that there should be abortion at any stage of pregnancy right up to birth. Uh, 60% said that babies should be given life-assisting care if they're born alive. Uh, most of the remainder didn't know which makes sense because I think a lot of people don't understand that issue. Um, so what it shows is that the whole notion of bringing this bill in without an announcement and trying to ram it through, I mean, it's small wonder they wanted to jam it through in one day with no debate, uh, which they ultimately did get to happen, um, because clearly the public are completely out of step with it. And the more we highlight this, the better, because the pressure is on. A number of concessions have been made. I mean, firstly, they said, OK, we'll extend it from one day, we'll let you debate it. And then they sent it to the upper house, and then the upper house created a committee. So it was another concession to say, all right, well, we're going to listen. They received tens of thousands of submissions, almost entirely opposed to the bill uh, or opposed to elements of the bill, which was hugely encouraging and brilliant. There was a 24-7 vigil for life outside Parliament the whole time this was being debated. Look, it's coming close to a vote now uh, in the New South Wales upper house. We've got this, uh, this poll out, which shows the Premier in real trouble. That'll increase the pressure on her from within her party. They were skyrocketing over Sydney yesterday saying, choose life. And tomorrow night, Tuesday night, this is really important, there's going to be a rally for life in, Parliament, in, in Martin Place uh, in the Sydney CBD corner. Martin Place in Elizabeth Street, that sort of area. Uh, it's going to be enormous. And this is the next big thing to keep the momentum going. Everyone in the Sydney region must be there. I'll be there. I'm speaking at 6pm tomorrow night, Tuesday night, Martin Place in Sydney. Well, there's a challenge for Sydney listeners. Tomorrow night in Martin Place, a rally, a big life rally that's happening in Martin Place and uh, it's in response to what the government appears to be doing with abortion laws. And, of course, the Legislative Council will be uh, will be voting on these during their sittings in September. Uh, big questions. And, look, these these questions, uh, people can hardly believe this, Martin. You know, the quest- question of sex-selective abortions or... Uh, what stage of pregnancy uh, an abortion should be permitted. And, of course, that one that really uh, tears at the heartstrings, whether life-assisting care should be given to babies born alive. I mean, anyone who has any sense 
of any compassion uh, would certainly be uh, thinking twice about those sorts of uh, inclusions in a in a legislative bill like this. Uh, what's your what's your challenge here? What's your uh, insight for people who are just sort of teetering on the edge, saying whether I worry about this or whether I actually this is the time to get out of my armchair and actually take some action. Look, this is one of the most uh, most challenging issues of justice, I think, in our day. Uh, the reality is that unborn children uh, can feel pain. Um, there's a very famous quote by Dr. Ben Carson, one of the leading uh, surgeons in the US. He says he's, he's operated on unborn babies in the womb. Uh, and he says, look, he says they feel, they react, they respond to touch. He says you have to give them anesthesia if you're going to operate on them or cut them in any way. Uh, he said, but also the amazing thing about an unborn child in the womb is he says it can actually respond to warmth and care in the womb. And as a surgeon, when you're operating on them, you see all of these features. And he said to claim that that's not a child, that that's not life, to claim that that is just a blob of cells or tissue or something less than life, he said is utterly and spectacularly ignorant. Uh, it's a powerful quote. Science tells us that that is actually true. Uh, and here we have a bill that, frankly, allows the butchering and the killing of these children uh, simply because they're voiceless, simply because they're in the dark, and simply because there's people out there who want to justify their choices of having had abortions, and there's people out there who want to live the lives that they want to live. It's not good enough. Uh, and I would say anybody who's teetering on the brink, be in no doubt be in no doubt whatsoever that this is a very, very important issue. We need to make a stand. We need to keep the momentum going. And we need to raise a voice for truth on behalf of those who cannot speak for themselves. Uh, so do come um, and, uh, and do be there. And look, it's true, uh, because of these late-term abortion practices, which are already legislated in Victoria, more than, uh, more than 360 babies have been born alive and left to die on operating tables in the state of Victoria alone in a roughly five-year period. Now, that's gone up spectacularly since they liberalised abortion. It will go up in New South Wales, and the Parliament voted against an amendment to make sure that couldn't happen. It is barbarism in the extreme. Uh, lives are at stake, literally, even the lives of born babies in those cases, so literally infanticide. I think we, we as Christians, if we don't stand in a moment like this, then, then, then what are we? Uh, we, we've got to do it because it's the right thing to do. Mm. Uh, tomorrow night, Martin Place, that rally starts at 6pm for Sydney Siders and those who are in New South Wales who might be within cooey of getting to that march and that uh, demonstration in Martin Place. Uh, just one quick one more, Martin. Of course, uh, the other end of life, what's one thing for us to talk about what's going on at the beginning of life, uh, but there are so many of these big ethical issues being debated in parliaments all around Australia. Let's just turn our attention just for a few moments uh, to euthanasia in Queensland. There is a new petition that people ought to be signing. Uh, what's the petition? And, uh, of course, uh, the issue in Queensland is continuing to bubble along. It's not only Queensland dealing with this, but let's uh, deal with what you're looking at in Queensland. Uh, look, uh, what we're looking at in Queensland is the idea that a bill to permit the uh, legislation of voluntary euthanasia <clears throat> is uh, is going to go to the parliament, <clears throat> and uh, we're in this stage is now trying to head that off. So uh, Wendy Francis, the Queensland State Director, has been running forums on this issue in the electorates of those members who are on the health committee who are in the process of uh, 
examining this issue and doing community consultation. So she's done a wonderful job there. Uh, the next thing we're doing is that uh, we actually have a petition to the new to the Queensland Parliament uh, saying, uh, "Look, we don't want euthanasia." Um, and uh, that is at the moment very fresh. It's just bumped up to 772 signatures. Uh, we really do want about 20,000 signatures for a Queensland parliamentary petition. That puts it in sort of the top three territory of parliamentary petitions of all time because they're not that easy to sign. You've got to find the link and, and go through a bit of a rabbit warrant to get there. So I'm sort of challenging everybody to Google Queensland Parliament petitions. It is actually the first link. Click on it. And then the top of the list is there's euthanasia. We can live without it. Click that, sign it. So it's a few clicks of the mouse, and uh, it, it means that the numbers aren't as strong as you might get on one that's easier to sign. But we want 20,000 signatures on that to send a message as one of the biggest petitions to the Queensland Parliament ever uh, that uh, people don't want this. And uh, that's the next phase. But we're doing a great deal across the country on this issue. Western Australia is another place where we've got big concerns here, a bill... Uh, in fact, has been tabled in Western Australia, but we're running rallies. We've got an international speaker going to those rallies. Uh, we have lobbied hard with all of the MPs. We have an email writing campaign across Western Australia where people are emailing their MPs and upper house members, uh, key ones. And uh, look, we're seeing progress there. We're actually seeing minds changed. And uh, we are within striking distance of being able to stop that bill in euthanasia if people continue to raise their voice, continue to get on the ACL website, continue to look at those events, go to them, continue to respond to the calls to action when you get asked to send emails and sign things up. Queensland's slightly early, earlier stage, so get in early, sign the petition, and uh, we'll head this off. Okay, so it's one thing to keep informed and up to date, and there are going to be times when action is required, and so an opportunity there for Queenslanders uh, to sign that particular petition. There'll be a link there on the Australian Christian Lobby website. And, of course, the pro-life rally, Martin Place, tomorrow night in Sydney, a very important one for New South Wales listeners. And uh, you did mention, too, that there's uh, activity going on in Western Australia as well. Let me point people to the Australian Christian Lobby website where you can find out what's happening in your state and some action to be taken on these very, very serious ethical issues that are coming before our parliaments. And, uh, you know, they're not getting a lot right when it comes to uh, where a Christian stands on these issues, particularly when we get into being pro-life. Why are we pro-life? Because we recognize we're created in the image and likeness of God. And that's the only place we really get value in our life acl.org.au to take action today acl.org.au you'll find links there Martin Isles the Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby thanks for being with us again today on 2020 Thank you Neil always a pleasure Before you go thanks for listening There's lots more great audio on demand or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au And remember Vision is listener supported Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.